0: Welcome back to the podcast guys. This is the number one podcast for dads in their 40s who want to improve their health and fitness. This is episode 90 and on today's show we're going to be talking about the importance of high welfare meat, the impact it has on our health and our environment and joining us is Simon from Green Pasture Farms. Green Pasture Farms practice regenerative agriculture producing organic Grass-fed British meat in an ethical, sustainable manner. Hi, Simon. Thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Well,
1: oh, thanks. Thanks
0: for having me. No, thanks very much for giving me your time. So, um, obviously, today we're going to be talking about uh, meat, the sources of meat, um, and all things meat. But you know, we were talking just before we started to recording. Obviously, you've got a very interesting background um so for the people that haven't come across you and green pastures before can you give us a little bit of background and insight as to how you've ended up where you're at today
1: uh yeah i'll try and do the brief version it's quite a long story yeah um well maybe not so brief i actually used to be vegetarian i was vegetarian (laughs) for like 13 years yeah um for health and kind of ethical reasons yeah uh I was a very unhealthy vegetarian uh, after university. At least it was like lots of vegetarian beer, <laughs> uh, lots of parties. I was in very very bad shape uh, to the point where one of my friends once called me a pregnant pencil. You know, <laughs> me the belly. And I thought, yeah. Ah, this isn't too good. So then I started uh, getting into shape, uh, and I'm a very kind of analytical person. So. Rather than just going to the gym and just doing whatever I was reading up. Yeah. Researching books, studies, all this kind of thing. And um, I first came across a uh, kind of paleo training. Uh, came across an article, did cavemen do sit-ups? Right. And like, oh, this is interesting, the whole kind of evolutionary yeah. theory. And then from that, I discovered the paleo diet and started reading about the paleo diet. Um, and basically, I transformed my health and physique uh, through training and diet, I was doing like primal kind of training, paleo uh, right. diet. Uh, this was back in like 2000, and yeah. 2000 I think. Um, and I got really into it. Um, at the time, I was working for a bank and I didn't really enjoy it, but I loved training. And I started giving people advice on training and nutrition. They were getting good results. Um, cut a long story short. Within a few years, I'd opened a gym. Um, <laughs> I had a gym called Primal Fitness. Right. Um, and I also had a blog online on the website Primal Fitness had a blog with quite a lot of followers where I used to write about primal training, paleo diet, and part of that was eating good quality meat. I started eating meat again um, right. with the paleo diet, but I wanted to make sure for me animal welfare is super important, um, and the environment as well. So I wanted to make sure that if I was going to eat meat, that it was high animal welfare, that it was found in a way that was helpful to the planet not you mm. know, destroying the planet so i went and searched out farms i wanted to see them for myself to make sure the animals were being treated right. uh, as they were supposed to be And i found some really nice traditional farms uh, not far from this was when i was living in manchester the gym was in manchester right and so i found the farm and started buying the meat for myself there and then because i have clients in the gym i was recommending this kind of meat and we started off um Said to the farm, which is about maybe four to five minutes from Manchester. Look, I have a lot of people here interested in buying your meat. Maybe we could put in an order. You could deliver it to the gym. Yeah. Uh, so the business started as uh, with the butcher coming in a little van, right? Just, like, delivering a van full of meat to the gym every day, not every day, sorry, every week. Yeah. Or so. Um, and then I had this following online. So I said, the family, you know, there's a lot of people interested in trying to find this kind of meat, but it's not very easy to find. This was like back in 2003, 2004. Yeah. If you could maybe butcher it up and pack it there and send it there to the customer, you know, I can run the website, find my sales for you. Cause I have this community of people online who are interested yeah. in this kind of diet. And that's how it all started basically. Right. Uh, so I just started off doing, you know, a couple of boxes a week uh, online. And yeah. just gradually grew from there. And it used to be just like a tag on to the primal fitness website. Right. But as it started to grow, I realized it was, you know, a bigger market and probably wasn't the right branding. Um, So that's when I started Green Pasture Farms. Right. Um, To open up a little bit more than, rather than just people doing the paleo diet, just people into training. Mm. Anybody who's interested in health and animal welfare. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, eventually, um, I read a book called The 4-Hour Work Week. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, from Tim Ferriss, yep.
1: And I, I love the gym. It was, it was brilliant. Um, but I've also always loved to travel and like, work in the gym was a lot of hours and so on. Yeah. Um, and I was getting a steady income um, from this point from the meet. Uh, so I, thought, oh. so I uh, passed the gym business on to some friends. Uh, right. To and uh, moved to Spain. Yeah. Wow. Uh, So I still run the website and do all the custom service and do the emails and technical side. Yeah. Um, And then the guys in the farm do all the hard work.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 That's super interesting. It's fascinating for, for a number of points, really. I think, you know, back in 2003, 2004, I mean, I even think that what you're doing now is quite new and innovative and, but you know, you were doing it back in 2003 2004 and you know when you were at your p- pregnant pencil stage you know you said you were unhealthy but was it just an aesthetic side of things that you felt unhealthy or did you not feel good in yourself?
1: No I, I didn't feel really good in myself when, when I was younger like a teenager I was super active mm. and um, my mum cooks amazing she always cooked for me like home cooked food every day so I yeah. ate really well and so I was young, so I wasn't uh, drinking massive amounts. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of went to university and I didn't know how to cook, fortunately, but I was no never right. So I was eating, you know, vegetarian diet, but yeah. just like, you know, tins of macaroni cheese and wow. copious amounts of alcohol and all yeah. the rest of it. Um, yeah. And that catches up with you after a while. You know, I used to, I used to work in an office, um, like, after I went to university, I stopped doing any exercise except maybe during clubbing, which was right. probably the only thing that kept me alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, then I was working in an office. I'd buy like bags of donuts from the supermarket and eat yep. several donuts every day and then go straight out to the pub after work and like, drinking like every day basically. Yeah. Not doing any exercise whatsoever. So, right, so okay. Pretty crap.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah I mean it's it's interesting because what you're describing there is not too dissimilar to the guys that I coach now and you know it's it's largely the issue that I see is that they have way too many carbohydrates basically um, and they don't have enough, you know they don't have enough proteins they don't have enough fats you know and so there is an imbalance there but I think it's interesting because you know, I don't really want to go off down the rabbit hole on the whole vegan movement, but, you know, everybody seems to have moved towards a vegan diet or the vegan diet's very popular. And the, in the large majority, the people that I see that are doing it are doing it for because they've heard somebody else do it and they feel amazing. And then the second thing they, is that they're doing it for the environmental reasons and like maybe animal welfare and all the rest of it. So I get the environmental animal side of things. But the the thing for me is that when people move to a vegan diet, or in actual fact, when you move to any kind of, you know, diet modality, if you like, from moving away from a Western diet, you are going to feel better for the simple reason that you're going to be cutting a lot of processed rubbish out. Um, That's not to say vegan can't be processed because it can be, but I believe and and this is kind of why you and I are talking today that we need to take it up a level. And going up a level means where the food is sourced from and and obviously you know you you clearly identified very early on that you know the source of your food is very very important and I think that that's where we need to be looking at our our food supply if you like not at a diet level because yeah you know, if you're, and and we'll go into this in a minute and I'll get you to explain in a lot more detail, but you know, if you're, if the source of your food is coming from a less than ideal place and it's gone through a real massive process in order to get it to your plate, you know, at a very fundamental level, when you put that in your gut and it interacts with your gut microbiome, it's gonna, you know, it's not going to be good for you and your gut's not going to like it. And therefore. It has a whole host of other functions that go on in the gut and the brain, everything else, which makes you feel rubbish. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting how you came to that quite early. But so I would imagine then, in two thousand three, two thousand four, paleo and all that kind of stuff, it wasn't really a thing, was it, in in the diet and fitness world?
1: No, not not well, nowhere near the extent that it is now. I mean, yeah. it's probably past its peak now, and it's, uh, now yeah. it's kind of middling along. Um, well, I'm terrible with dates, but I would <laughs> say, I mean, it really exploded. Oh, maybe like 2008, 2009. Yeah. Possibly. I could be completely making that up. But for, for a long time, you know, it was quite niche. Mm. And like the, the website took long and sold a few meat boxes, And then eventually it really souped, you know, had a big boost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah it's been relatively popular ever since it's now uh, before when he trying to explain to people nobody had a clue what he was talking about whereas now most people i'd say have at least heard of a paleo diet yeah 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 i think
0: it's like you say isn't it it's moved on from that and it seems to me now that everyone's going going after keto um yeah. high fat and all the rest of it but you know So so coming back to like animal welfare, because I think this is really important, you know, and I think it's, I think really as a society, we have lost the understanding of how food gets on our plate. And I think it's really important, particularly at a child level, that they understand how food gets to the plate, because once you understand that process i think you can make way more better informed decisions about what you choose to eat so you said that you went round to farms to you know to have a look at the animals have a look at how they're being treated but how did you really determine at that stage you know what was good what was bad you know the, the 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 feed that the animals were were having and and the environment in which they were in
1: well i mean these are there's two different levels, I suppose. I mean, from the animal welfare side, yeah. and that, that's pretty straightforward, you know. If the animals have access to space outside, and have room, um, it's better welfare. If they're crammed into tiny cages or tiny hooks, then you know, this is definitely bad for yeah. the animal welfare. Um, I mean, particularly, I would say most cows and sheep in the UK have a relatively good life. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that you get intensively farmed cows and sheep in the UK. Okay. That's interesting. Suspects diets. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the welfare probably isn't going to be that bad. Well, you never know. I have seen, I don't, it wasn't in the UK, but like an intensive sheep farm. Yeah. Pretty rare. Uh, Whereas pigs and chickens just get a horrible, horrible time of it. Yeah. And for me, especially like pigs, pigs are super intelligent little animals. Right. Easily as intelligent as a dog, if not more. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, and most of them are just in these tiny little pens their entire lives. Never see the light of day. Wow. Um, and it's just completely inhumane. Uh, yeah. As far as I'm yeah. Um, Even when I was a I never had a problem with the idea of killing an animal to eat it. No. Because I'm dead and dead. It doesn't mean any difference. For me, it's like, what happens before that point that's important? So, yeah, I think it's always very important that the animals, you know, have a good life. Um, yeah, until the chop, <laughs> basically, that <laughs> is, is a more complicated one. Um, I mean, there are various debates, um, in exactly the same way as with humans, yeah. Um, our beef and lamb. Is hundred percent grass fed, hundred percent grass finished. Right. Um, there could be debates that maybe for sustainability, you could put some other things in there like waste food, um, waste cereals that aren't fit for human consumption. This kind of thing. Um, yeah. There are some farms that use the uh, leftover cereals after making beer and feed those to the cows and stuff. So from yeah. a sustainability point of view, you know that has benefits because you're using waste. Yeah, um, and then there's a debate, same with humans. I, mean, I should say, myself, I don't do like a strict paleo diet. Anymore. Okay, it's many years since I've done that. Um, you know, it, I think as a human being, if you all you eat is bread and pizza and you never see a vegetable or a piece of fresh meat, yeah. that's going to be really bad for you. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you eat 80% fruits, vegetables, healthy meats, fish, this kind of thing, and then you have some cereal inside, providing you don't have specific issues with that. Yeah, I think for the vast majority of people, that's perfectly fine. So Mm -hmm. possibly, you know, you could say the same for uh, for cows and sheep, but I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, it. Still, means more research, really. I guess.
0: Yeah, and so, but what you said there was quite interesting, in so much as you don't see that there's many of this mass farming going on with cows and sheep in the UK, because In, in the UK, yeah. I, I would have imagined it, you know, just looking at the volume of meat and, you know, I guess consumer requirements for that meat, I would have thought that, that you know, I don't think it would be in the majority, it'd be in the minority, but I would have thought we'd have seen quite a large proportion of where the meat comes from in a mass farmed environment.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it's imported. Right. Um, and then, I I say, the uh, mm. There's a lot of it's it not in ideal conditions yeah um, you know they have less space a lot less space than say our cows have because mm-hmm. you don't need as much space if you feed them loads of grain yeah well at least they're not inside in a cage
0: basically. yeah yeah because I, I think i think the other thing is what you know and you ch- chime in it in here if if you think i'm not you know describing it correctly is that if we look at it at a basic level it's it's the fact that you know if you have which obviously where the meat comes from in a um hostile environment shall we say you know you know as a human if you're in a hostile environment you become stressed and everything else you know all the various different functions and elements of the body kick in and you know some of the animals like you said pigs are, 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 are kind of like almost akin to a dog and so therefore, you know, the, the meat will get stressed and the quality of the meat will be less. And therefore, when we ingest it, the meat that is, you know, we're going to be taking on all the stresses and the strains and it's not good for our own bodies, you know. So I think it's, in, it's important that we kind of explain why we're talking about this, because I believe that this is the part that we're missing right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... The other aspect as well health wise human health wise is you know these mass farms of pigs and chickens are like the perfect breeding ground for the next pandemic you know yeah yeah it's just a massive tragedy waiting to happen you know mm. there's another bird flu or swine flu coming out of all these yeah. like, horrific like Auschwitz like conditions and yeah you know yeah. I, I would have Think, hope that maybe the situation going through might be the kind of impetus needed to try and put a stop to uh, uh, to the farm life. I mean, not only are they in these conditions that are rife for it, then they're also yeah. given uh, routine antibiotics all the time, which is, you know, <laughs> if you want to breed an antibiotic resistant superbook, this is yeah. like the exact recipe of how to do it. You know?
0: but, but I think, though, I think on that, I don't think as much as you and I would like to think that as a result of what's going on now with this pandemic, that people are going to stop and question. I think they will, but I think that it's very much in the minority. And again, you know, I'm very conscious of not going off down a political standpoint, but I think there's a huge disconnect between what the government think and what some of the minority think is healthy. And I did a Facebook live, a bit of a rant on this last Sunday because if we look at what's happening in the UK right now is, you know, for example, gyms are shut, but takeaways are thriving. And so we want to fight disease and we want to have a strong immune system. But basically all we're doing is we are doing it, you know, we're, we're kind of fueling the fire. So, you know, by eating lots of highly processed food that's cooked in a takeaway that's inflammatory oils, which goes into the gut, which affects the gut microbiome. You know, this is where I think that there's a disconnect. And I, this is where, you know, like, I would like to think that as a result of this, things would change. But I think there needs to be more people talking about it. I think there needs to be a bigger platform and a bigger voice. Um, and now I'm not going to go off and start some March. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I'm not so sure that it's going to be as, as it's kind of, you know, widely talked about, really?
1: No, unfortunately, not. I mean, this is, like we were saying before, there's a, the food industry is very kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I forget my English. Uh, it's very impenetrable, you know, people don't know where the food comes from. I, I would no. say, I mean, the vast majority of people, I think, if they actually went and saw an industrial pig farmer, industrial chicken farm with their own eyes they're like horrified and they'll probably never eat it again but you know you have all these like nice nicely wrapped chickens in the supermarket with a picture of a happy farm on the outside and people just think about it don't question where it's come from no
0: exactly And, and this is obviously why we're talking today is that i want to get across to the listeners that it's important that you do at least acknowledge where it comes from so that you can make those choices because you know, there's, there's this, obviously, like I said, there's this big rise in vegan and vegetarian diets and a move away from a carnivore diet. But, you know, I, I believe that the only reason for that is environmental reasons. And like I said earlier, you know, some people feel better f- as a result, but I'm not a massive advocate of cutting big food groups out of our diet because we have evolved having, you know, I, I guess a n- nutritionally balanced diet, And, and you know, studies have shown that the human brain developed more when we started to be carnivorous. When we started to eat meat, the human brain developed more, it grew more and we evolved more as a as a as a human race. So I'm, I'm not a massive advocate of cutting big food groups out, but there obviously is this movement away from meat. So where do you where do you stand on this? Obviously, you've been an unhealthy vegan. You're now eating meat. What's your view on it?
1: And I think the science is clear that we are obligate omnivores. Mm. Um, So I am not. I don't think a vegan, a hundred percent pure vegan diet, long term, um, is not going to work for at least the vast majority of people. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably some genetic kind of. Some people do better than others. Depends how good you are at converting, you know, short chain omega threes to long chain and yeah. Um, how good you are combined, beats carotene and all these kind of things. But regardless, you're gonna need some form of it and maybe twelve from somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm not an advocate of a carnivore diet either. Right, okay. Um, either for health and definitely not for sustainability reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean I actually eat very little meat. Right. And maybe I only eat meat maybe once a week. Right. Speaking we living in Spain, unfortunately I don't have access to our meat anymore. Right. Uh, I believe in eating locally, and there's not a great deal of grass around here. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, plenty of fish, seafood, these kind of things. I do eat some beef because we live quite close to the Pyrenees, so you do get some Okay. uh, but um, it's not the same quality. Yeah. You don't have the same grass over here. So, you can get some okay beef. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, actually, you know, I don't eat a paleo diet anymore. I don't eat a vegan diet anymore. But I eat a lot, a lot of meals I eat are vegan. A lot okay. Of meals I are paleo. I think yeah. you have to be careful of putting labels. Diet can become like a religion. Yeah. people Once people say to themselves, I do a paleo diet, or, I am a vegan, then yeah. confirmation bias comes in. And yeah, uh, you know, all you see is. Accept the uh, evidence that confirms your beliefs is not already. So, yeah, I try to be quite agnostic, keep an open mind. Um, like, personally, now I feel better than I've ever done in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just try to eat a balanced diet. Yeah. Actually. Being from one extreme diet to the other, I think, just in terms of psychological well being, you know, trying not to be too restrictive. I think if you're too restrictive and worry too much about what you eat, it's a strange balance you know i think it is very very important what you eat but i also think you've got a good amount of leeway you know human beings have thrived on all parts of the planet from you know diets that are predominantly animal product based to diets that are predominantly uh, vegetable based and Mm -hmm. i think as long as you meet in you i kind of look at it like you've got different accounts you know so as long as you're getting enough micronutrients in get enough of the essential amino acids, enough of the essential fatty acids, all the vitamins minerals, this kind of thing. When you're covering those bases, which actually you need relatively little, all these kind of things. Um, Then you're fine. And then your body is not, you know, not that fragile, you know. Most people, you know, you can take a bit of toxins in there. You know, there Mm -hmm. are toxins in foods, you know, glutens, you know, one of the most demonized ones. But, you know, yeah. you do have toxins in all those foods and meats and vegetables and all those kind of foods. So, you know, cooking makes a big difference.
0: Yes. So, yeah. You read
1: the book uh, Catching Fire, How Cooking Made Us Human. No, I haven't read because, that book uh, It's a brilliant book. Uh, yeah. written by an sort of evolutionary biologist, I think it was, yeah. uh, rather than a nutritionist. So it yeah. comes from a different angle. I think it doesn't come with uh, preconceived ideas, which is good. And yeah. it's what it's talking about. It's like how... I mean, this is a big debate. Was it just the meat entering the diet or was it the cooking processes that made all the food, meat and vegetable, more digestible that allowed the stomach to shrink and the brain to grow? Yeah. Pretty interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of, you get a lot of this of uh, lectins and uh, different kind of compounds in food that are dangerous, but yeah. if you actually look, you cook the foods, it makes them, you know, more digestible. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to be eating raw aubergines and raw potatoes <laughs> cook them you know yeah and including yeah. the cereal thing you know, if you ferment things uh, yeah you know you can break down a lot of things make them more digestible
0: so yeah and i and i think that part of it you know understanding that and understanding the process and why we need to cook certain things you know like you say because there is a there's lots of different sides and arguments in terms of The the non-vegan people will say that, you know, vegan diet is full of plants. It's got full of lectins that are bad for you. And then, you know, the the vegan people will say that the meat is bad for you because of the way it's sourced and, you know, that we shouldn't eat animals and everything else. So there's, there's lots of sides to lots of arguments. So, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, having the balanced diet, and I think you made a good point there around, you know, the body is an amazing thing and it can deal with... Toxins and things like that, things like that. You know, if you are continually giving it toxins, and that's a different story. But if you're having the balance, the body can, you know, break down. It can digest and it can, you know, discard or take in whatever it needs to take in. So I think, you know, that's it's 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 having a balanced view. I think. Yeah.
1: But the me I always remember this. Uh, someone on uh, the television program was this. Boy, who was like teenager, maybe seventeen years old, yeah, he was like six foot tall, and all i would ever eaten for like the past ten years was jam sandwiches and white <laughs> bread. <laughs> How is that even possible? It's yeah, crazy. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah. now I started to become ill, but mm. I mean, it was like ten years. Wow.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it doesn't always kind of show itself immediately. If you're following an imbalanced diet, it will be over a period of time. Um, But the other thing that's always quite interesting, I find Simon is that there's this big, particularly in supermarkets, right? There's this big thing around how good organic is. Okay. And we deem that if it's organic, then it must be good for us. But you know, to come back to the things like chicken, for example, um, you know, if you've got an organic organic chicken, it's three, four times the price of a normal chicken. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's still good because obviously it depends on what feed it's been given, right?
1: Yeah, I mean again this is where things get complicated. I would say, you know, chicken is probably not I mean we sell chickens, um, but from my personal perspective, they're not the most sustainable of um Meat products, right? Um, Organic chickens are much more expensive because it requires much more land. Yeah, um, because the animal has much more space around them for its well-being, and then also producing the crops organically to feed to the chickens. Yeah, uh, takes much more land, more water. I mean, the whole everything's so complicated, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Organic label. uh, Yeah. Again, say organic food is better than non-organic food. Uh, I mean, it's far more complicated than that in reality. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, I mean, when we first started, for many, many years, we didn't have an organic certification. I was kind of quite against it. Yeah. Because it's expensive. And at the end yeah. of the day, you farm in exactly the same way. You have to pay for the certification, and that yeah. just increases the price of the product for the customer yeah. But in the end, we decided to go with it because the problem is there's lots of people out there otherwise saying, oh, it's 100% grass fed, it's free range, and it isn't, you know. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, you come to a situation where you need some kind of certificate to prove something. Yeah. But then, like you say, you know, I mean, for me, if it's meat, always go organic because it does guarantee at least the animal welfare. Right. And yeah. Because there's minimal requirements for how old they need to be before they're killed, how long they stay with the mothers, how much space they have. That's more concrete. With plant foods, it's more complicated. You can do a lot of kind of greenwashing with organic. You can still have, like, you know, well, there's many different things we can do to still have big... Well, I mean, again, uh, when it comes to plants, there is a big debate, which is better industrially producing or more traditional methods because potentially by producing crops, on an industrial scale, it's more efficient to use less land. You know? I mean, yeah. This is the main issue we get with food production now. Is like we get to the point where we're using all the land that's possible to farm the crop. You know? And you don't want to go down chopping down more rainforests to grow no. it. So maybe more intensive production in some cases. And you know, This is why I really don't believe you can just blanket say organic is better. I think really you have to look at each individual case. Yeah. Yeah. But many questions of well, how do you decide, how do you know what's good, you know, you walk into a supermarket and then it's like you know, which packet of you know, well, which bee treats do you choose, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, either got organic or non organic, but then if you, we get rid of these labels because it's more complicated, this and saying, Well, I use a blender and you know, the consumer kind of
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good point. You know, the labelling side of things, it's, well, the intention that is there to give us the information, I think the reality is probably 90% of people don't pay any attention to it, Uh, and those that do probably don't understand it fully because it's, I think it's there to serve a regulatory requirement as opposed to actually give us useful, valuable information. So, so yeah, but I think also, you know, you make a good point about the farming, particularly around vegetarian. There's a, there's a big push around, um, you know, vertical farming, and all this kind of stuff now, which is, you know, it all has its place. And I think it's all, I think it's all important to, to kind of test it and, and, you know, devise what works best for what kind of product really. But in terms of, you know, the coming back to meat Uh, and beef and stuff like that you know there's obviously this big thing around now about being grass-fed because obviously grass-fed means that the the cattle has been in its you know relatively natural habitat it's grazed out as it should graze therefore the meat's better but then there's also this other side which is not spoken about too much and that is it might be grass fed but it's not grass finished and yeah. so maybe you could explain a little bit more around that
1: uh yeah i mean grass fed means it spends its life out grazing lots of different things i mean this is grass people think it'd be a lawn you know yeah and cows will just eat anything yeah that's available you know so if you have a cow in the wild they'll eat bushes they'll eat leaves of trees that they can reach they'll eat you know yeah in the, the grass out there is actually a mix of like loads and loads of different plants. Yeah. We'll churn down some insects as well while they're at it, you know. Um, grass finished is, there is also a tendency to have the cows out there alive, and then in the last few months, uh, give them like cereal just to fatten them up a bit. Because yeah. cows, most breeds, and then depending on the land that they're on, uh, it's hard to get them to fatten up mm. uh, because of, enough calories just from the grass. You, know, you need a lot of land and a lot of grass. So fortunately, where the farms are, which is in Pendle and like North Lancashire, yeah, it rains all the time. <laughs> uh, so you've got all this hill, hilly grassland, yeah, uh, which can be used to cultivate other crops. So it makes sense just to let the cows loose wander around them there, and you just convert the energy from the sun, which is going to the grass, into the meat. Um, and there is enough uh, to get them fat. Um, well uh, but I mean this is one issue which looking long term you know carnivore diet this kind of thing or heavy dairy yeah. diet there's not that much or you can't produce that much organic meat you know I mean if you, you have the entire UK population convert to a carnivore diet right they all want to do it with organic meat it's just impossible You know, yeah that just doesn't work because you can't you just physically can't produce that much meat in that yeah. yeah
0: yeah and um yeah that I mean that's that's interesting because it's again and I think this is why the supermarkets have evolved in the way that they have is because we as a consumer have demanded you know we want this product and so they've had to find a way to farm it at a you know with it in a certain way that they can produce you know, in the quantities that we're demanding it at, so I think you know that's that's why I say, you know, the education piece is quite important, really, um, because like you've just said, you know, it's it's physically impossible. There's not enough land to be able to
1: farm in that way. Uh, not for everybody to eat like beef every day, for example. Yeah, I mean, personally, I have a more realistic vision for me with people eating like a, a paleo diet, but heavy on the vegetables. Yeah. Varied kind of meat diet, and you know, meat through most of human history and pretty much all the planet was like eaten relatively seldomly. You know, it's only very, very recently, you know, in yeah. the last well half century really that meat on a daily basis for a lot of people has become a normal thing. It's never been like that, you know, in the history of a, well maybe in some small tribes possibly, but you know, for the yeah. most part. But I think you know. For me, it's better to eat the highest quality meat less frequently than eating yeah. you know, crappy meat every day.
0: Yeah. And I, and I recently um, read a report, funnily enough, on, you know, butchery and what butchers are thinking. And they believe that the, the kind of future is lower volumes of meat, but higher quality. Yeah. Um, and they believe that that's where it's going. And obviously, you know, what you just said that there supports that. And I, I think that's, you know, the right way to do it, you know, like continually eating, you know, animal based products. Cause there is a, there is another side to this is obviously it can create inflammation in the body as well. If you're continually consuming meat, um, which is obviously not good for our, our long-term health. So yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's quite important, but in terms of, um, you know there's 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 another side to this which people might not have come across and that is regenerative farming now so that's kind of taking farming back to its kind of roots if you pardon the pun where they're farming in a more natural way and i guess that also means the volume in which they farm at will be reduced so what's you know is is that something that green pastures looks at when you're selecting the farmers to work with
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it's really important that, you know, the animals are raised in a sort of sustainable manner that's good for them, Yeah, you know, goes in line with their natural instincts, and then good for the local area as well. So, you know, the cow is a cycle. You know, the cows are eating the grass, but then the mm. cow pats are going back into the grass, and it's just a yeah. you know, cycle there. Um, same with all the animals, you know. The chickens are in, like, movable sheds, so they're always on fresh pasture and when they exhaust yeah. part of it then they move the shed to another part and you know constantly getting foraged and fertilized foraged and fertilized so it's not like in a lot of industrial farms you know the uh, crop materials coming from maybe another country and then it's getting eaten there and then all the slurry is just not going back yeah. into the soil and then you know you, it's going into the waterways and then causing problems with uh, uh choking up the uh you know because over fertilizing the algae yeah. and the water and then
0: uh, what's it called hypoxia yeah so yeah. The, the fish die because they don't go any oxygen yeah uh, not good <laughs> no exactly no i yeah i agree it's like the whole food chain gets gets affected doesn't it so um before we kind of wrap it up simon what do you what would you say are the five key things that you know us as consumers could do in order to switch to better quality meat? And obviously we, we can potentially just go down the organic route, but what are the five things that you would suggest that we can look out for?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, buying British is yep. a good start. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of laws passing through at the minute trying to make it easier to import um, meat from abroad, which is going to be super cheap. But much, much lower standards in all respects of animal welfare of what the fed of drugs used, all this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I would say really, really avoid industrially farmed pork and chicken because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, just horrendous in terms of the animal welfare. It's massive risk for the next pandemic. Yeah. And you know, the point of me is just terrible. It's not doing me any favours. Um and yeah, beef and lamb, I would recommend grass fed. Uh, okay. it's much more sustainable, you know, there's not this energy loss, mm-hmm. it's much better use of land. Um, yeah. and it results in much, much nut- much, much more nutrient than meat, dense meat. Um, so it's kind of a win-win situation, you know, better and more yeah. welfare, tastes better, and it's better for your health and it's better for the environment. It's kind of yeah. a, well, it should hopefully be no brainer. So it costs a little bit more. It's not the beef and lamb are too much more expensive, um, really, than the standard beef because yeah. it takes longer to farm. It takes, like, two years until yeah. the cow's ready to slaughter rather than a year. But you've got fewer inputs and not having to buy all this grain because they're just eating the grass. So yeah. it kind of balances out. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, if you no, that's like, cool. If you like chicken and pork, just get a pig and a chicken in your back garden and you can throw in your vegetable scraps and That's a more sustainable way to uh, – <laughs>
0: although some of the size of the gardens with the houses being built nowadays, I don't think you'd, you'd be able to fit even a pig or a chicken in. so uh... break down your fence in each year. And yeah. Yeah. No, that's,
1: that's,
0: no, that's some really simple, basic advice. And the, and the other thing you know, when, um, you know, you saying about, uh, having higher quality meat, I think in people's initial reactions to that will be around the budget side of it. Oh, you know, it's, it's going to cost us way more. It is. But coming, coming back to what we were saying earlier, you don't need to necessarily eat so much of it. Yeah. So you can have a higher quality product and you're just not eating as much of it. Um, because, you know, that that means that we are not having a diet which is majority meat-based. We are then having a balanced diet. Um, so I think that's that's an important uh, point to point out as well, really. of
1: the um, things you can do if you have a freezer is buy in bulk. Yeah. I mean... We offer things like buy half a pig, buy a whole lamb, yeah, uh, yeah. buy a big, you know, like about a tenth of a cow. Um, yeah. Works out cheaper that way. Um, you know, maybe and, share it between friends.
0: Yeah. And he's all that butchered up when, when people yeah. buy like
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't put the pig through the letterbox. No,
0: but that that was, that was my initial reaction. When you said buy half a pig or so. I'm thinking, you, you can just imagine the DPD driver coming to your front door with half a pig. <laughs>
1: just give it a gps
0: and just send the whole thing there. yeah so uh yeah that's cool that's that's really really interesting simon and i I really appreciate you coming on and explaining you know the the kind of i guess the, the the unspoken about parts of of where meat comes from how it's farmed and why we should be so um aware of it really but before we wrap it up is there anything that i didn't ask you you feel that i should have asked you which would benefit the listeners
1: um not necessarily i mean well you just remind me there about making decisions a really good thing is you know just go and visit the farms if you are buying meat you know if mm. if it's especially if it's being produced locally or try and get locally produced meat well any produce for that matter you know go and visit the farm and, yeah and just yeah. see what's going on there and get back in touch with where it comes from because you know there's this kind of you know food from tesco's <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. No, it doesn't, you know. So, I think
1: no. especially if you've got kids, um, you know, make it a day out, you know, yeah, family and go see the animals and, you know, yeah, coming yeah, from. let your kids pet the pigs and the sheep and <laughs> stand, you know, that, you
0: know, what's going yeah. on. Yeah, I think, I think that is important. I think it's, you know, obviously children are taught at school where food comes from, but I think there's nothing like, you know, cementing it in their mind in terms of you know, as you're going to see them in the natural habitat and things like that. So yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's great advice, Simon. So um, if anyone wants to connect with you, you know, what's your website, socials, all that kind of good stuff.
1: Uh, well, we've got the meat website, uh, which is Um You can contact me through there. I kind of have social media, but I'm not really a very social media type person. I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then also the website, uh, live Now, Thrive Later, uh, which is where I kind of blog all my nutrition, training, well-being, philosophical type of things on there. Yeah. So yeah, have a look down there. I'm on Twitter, uh, Simon underscore Wyatt, I believe it is. But, yeah, not Excellent.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, anyone listening to this, go and check out, definitely go and check out Green Pastures. They've got some really great products on there. And what I would say is, once you've tried it and you realise how tasty the food is, I'll be. I think you'll be surprised. You'll be hard pressed to go back to any kind of supermarket meat. Well, what I can do for you, actually,
1: though, I'll, I'll do a discount voucher. Um,
0: okay. I, don't know why I didn't think of this before.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sell one out for him, and he can put it, The details up on the. Uh, on the Perfect.
0: Order. Yeah, thanks very much for that. I'll put that. Yeah, we'll put that all on the show notes, and uh, people can go and uh, yeah get get discount off their first order
1: well thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure
0: no worries all right simon well yeah no it was very good thank you thanks very much for coming on uh, and i will speak to you again soon bye bye thanks for listening to the fitter healthier dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe and i would really appreciate if you could leave a review on itunes all the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.